Hello and welcome to Get Object. This is a podcast about things in games. I'm Rosie. I'm joined as always by my co-host Paul. Hello. And today we are talking about food. So we'll be tucking in in just a second, but first some chat. Paul, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm excellent. Yes. Have you been playing any rec- um any recently? Any um any recently video games? <laughs> yeah, I've played a few recently video games. Um, <laughs> actually, actually far less um since last time we spoke than than in the last episode where I had quite a lot to to run through. So, um yeah, I finished Mutazione, Mutazione, whatever, however you say it that we, we right. talked about last time. Yes. Um don't have much to add to what I said last time just yeah it was the one I talked about that was for anyone who's who hasn't listened to the last episode or something it's kind of a an adventure game where you go to a um an island where everybody's mutants and you grow gardens and um learn about the kind of drama going on between people's interpersonal relationships and get to know your estranged grandfather and um yeah it was nice uh I enjoyed it it was good um, I also played Pattern, which I've played for work, which is like a, it's a walking sim, you know, mm-hmm. one of those ones where you walk about in like procedurally generated uh, worlds and yeah. uh, it's billed as being a video game about making video games. Um, I guess I shouldn't really say much about it because I'm being paid to review it for somebody and I haven't published a review yet, so... That's that. <laughs> so we'll wait for the review. Yeah. Um, okay. And then I played a bit of Black Mesa, which I streamed from our Twitch account, twitch.tv slash getobject. Um, yeah, just, you know, we'd done the Half-Life intro. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, should I say, <laughs> we'd done the Half-Life yes. intro. So me and Rosie recorded... Um, a, another uh, first 15 where we, we're looking at video game introductions for our Patreon on Half-Life but then it got taken down by YouTube for violating their community guidelines. Um, so rude. Yeah. Th- there's a message on there about how COVID-19 is like affecting stuff and more stuff's being automated and things so uh, I think it's like something to do with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, by the time you hear this episode, perhaps it'll have been resolved and it'll be up again. Mm-hmm. Perhaps not. I don't know. But um, yes, if you're if you're one of our, our lovely Patreon subscribers, we did try to uh, put something up for you. But um, yeah, it's not there at the moment. It'll be up soon. But anyway, um, because we'd done that, I had Black Mesa. Um, I hadn't played it before, and I thought, oh, I'm gonna jump into this and like i can instantly see how these how these two compare black mesa being the remake of half-life a fan-made remake done in um the half-life 2 engine um and yeah it was very it's very cool i think it's yeah very impressive. i watched you watched you stream um a bit of it and uh i was yeah i thought it looked great i thought it looked really really fun and like half-life which i thought was yeah, quite exciting. I'm quite jealous because I haven't really got a PC I can play on at the moment, but I thought it looked like a really fun time. Yeah, it seems that my impression is they've done a really good job of like mm, mm. building out what needs to be built out and where it can be built out and, and leaving some stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult because like the, the opening sections I know really well, so it's really easy for me to be like, oh, they've changed this bit, or like th- right. this bit's the same. Um, 
uh but yeah as i went on i was kind of like unsure like how much every now and again i was like ah i know this but like yeah i'm not i'm not so sure but it seems like they've done a really good job because i know for example the last section of half-life the like zen sections on the alien Mm -hmm. world which were considered to be shit basically they Mm. completely rebuilt it like that so that's why it's that's one of the reasons the game took so so long to finish is is yeah, they've they've really they've not just like done like a faithful remake. They've gone like right, this whole section's crap. Let's completely scrap it and let's try and like do our own one that's good. So yeah, there's a, a lot of effort's gone to it. It's cool. Um, oh, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like, uh, I think you were on the same page as me, is they they changed the the um, resonance cascade thing. It looks less alien. Looks yes, the machine. Yeah, it looks much more like um, industrial zone mm. kind of vibe, um, mm. whereas the the other one was more like Stargate, which I yes. think we both we both prefer Stargate to the industrial zone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that was cool, and I think uh, I'm going to stream it again. So I'm going to say I don't know exactly when this episode is going to be up, but whenever it's up, the following Sunday I will stream um at 7 p.m uk time which i believe is 3 p.m on the east coast of the u.s so if you fancy um yeah joining me for that then uh twitch.tv slash get object also while we're on that one thing i want to mention something that you can do if you um want to support us um for free if potentially if you have Mm. amazon prime then oh, you yes. also get Twitch Prime built in like for free with that. So if you're not using it, then you can give us a subscription from your Twitch Prime account and uh that'll go to us. So yeah, that'd be very that'd much be appreciated if you're if you're not if you're not using your yeah, if you've got Amazon Prime, you're not using your Twitch Prime, then that would be fantastic if you could subscribe to us. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, cool. So that's your games. Yeah, what um, about you? Right, okay, so uh, Control by Remedy, I've been playing. Um, lots of people were keen, uh, were recommending this to me. Uh, unsurprisingly, I'm really enjoying it. Mm. Um, it's, um, I like Remedy anyway. They did, what is it, Alan, Alan Wake, I had a lot of fun with. Um, and um, is Max Payne Remedy? Mm, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. So they've got like really good taste and tend to like make interesting game worlds and stuff like that. Um, and they've done a beautiful job with control. I think it's uh, the writing is fantastic. Aesthetically, it, I'm, I'm not really sure if I've seen much competition mm-hmm. um, recently that I can think of just in terms of the kind of um, artistic presentation. Yeah, um, so stylish. So- so so, so stylish it's it's completely insane um so um yeah I, absolutely enjoying the hell out of uh, of control what a, what a class act um you're enjoying the uh doing the objects in control as well i'm enjoying oh my goodness yeah for our interests it is it is i mean because you mentioned that we could possibly just do an episode on control mm. and i think that's absolutely true i think we could do an episode i mean i've only played like the first couple of hours of the game but it feels like you could do an episode starting with control as the basis which then could lead into talking about loads of stuff to do with objects and why they can be interesting and stuff like that i think it's yeah Mm. it's a a good one for us yeah yeah. um another game i've been playing animal crossing on the nintendo uh switch 
that has been uh, lots and lots of fun. First time playing Animal Crossing for me. Uh, okay. uh, I've never yeah. played Animal Crossing, so no i mean it's i've I've never had a nintendo before so this is mm. like this is all new um it's definitely the kind of game i enjoy i really have played <laughs> hundreds of hours of stardew valley i believe um across multiple platforms so um so yeah no no huge surprise that i'm very into animal crossing but that's been just charming just an absolutely charming charming time hanging out with all the animals, planting flowers, um, doing some fishing, nice, gentle, gentle fun. How are you, are you like, are you playing, are you very focused on like, I need to do this to get like this much money and I don't really know how, how much of it, or yeah. are you kind of taking it quite relaxed or? So the way often that um, we'll tend to play games like this is that me and my other half, Dave, will be playing at the same time and we'll just sort of share the profile or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I will be having a more chill time when I'm playing it and just kind of running around and stuff. And Dave's like furiously min-maxing the tulip production. Okay. And yeah. I'm making sure... Yeah. So so progress goes quite quickly but for me no I'm being quite relaxed about it I'm just doing my fishing and like chatting to the other animals on the island and stuff. Okay. Um That's yeah nice. so it's nice I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And um one last thing um I don't normally play I'm not really playing any tabletop games at the moment regularly but since um the uh coronavirus lockdown has started and um in the UK we're not really going out um you're not really supposed to sort of do anything outside the house apart from exercise and shopping. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, so there's been lots more socialising over um, Zoom or Skype and whatever. And me and my brothers and my nephew have been playing Blackstone Fortress. Um, I think that's what it's called. It's a Warhammer 40,000 game. And okay. that's a tabletop. But it's funny because we were talking about spaceships last time and yeah, we were yeah. saying that neither of us know anything about Warhammer 40,000. Yeah. Um, it's really, really good. It's um, I'm really enjoying it. It's been a lot of fun. And also my brother Adam's been exp- like sending me long things about Warhammer 40,000 lore and it's just the most insane, like metal ridiculousness. Okay. <laughs> I really like it. Okay. I like it a lot. So that's been really good spaceships time. Did you and, get a, uh, Did you get a space cathedral? I've got like a space chapel. My character, <laughs> <laughs> my character, Pius Vaughan, who is a very scary looking fanatic with a flamethrower. She goes around in a spaceship that looks like a chapel because it's small, right? Mm-hmm. So she's not like, she's not like got her own cathedral. Mm. It's just like a modest, modest little chapel sized spaceship. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that's been fantastic. Lots of fun. I like the idea that like the whole all modes of transport are different like forms of religious buildings <laughs> i think that's basically it i think that's warhammer Forty Thousand. i honestly don't know why i haven't gotten into any of it previously because it is so up my alley um yeah so that's been lovely okay cool right um so before we get on to the subject of today's episode um bit of feedback we've only got one piece of one piece of feedback this week so we'll we'll be through um swiftly so that's from Ian Grice, Iggy1971 on Twitter, who in response to our Spaceships episode said, another fantastic show. Thank you very much. Uh, Thoughts of one of my all-time favourite Spectrum games, Jetpack. Using a thruster, you had to collect and assemble a ship and gather fuel 
whilst using an excitingly multicolored laser to blast low-res aliens. Heady stuff from the 80s. Um, yeah, not not a game, I, I don't know, a, a game that I was kind of looking at, I think, do I remember that? Which is often right. the case with stuff from the that kind of time period. But uh, yeah, yeah, he put some pictures up along the tweet that very, that very nice, so... Yeah. Oh, nice. Cool. I didn't see. I didn't see that on Twitter. Um, but I did look it up after you included it. Um, in the notes. Um, yeah, it looked really cool. Jetpack without a K. Um, yeah, very nice. Um, very bright colors. Like it's like loads of games from that era. It feels like they would give you a headache if you were looking at them for too long. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, looked lovely. Yeah. So yeah, if you uh, want to give us feedback on uh, this episode or, or any other, or want to give us suggestions for stuff to cover then tweet us at getobjectpod on Twitter or email us on getobjectpod at gmail.com. And it would be great to, to hear from some more women as well because... Yes, please. Yeah, I mean, we um, men, still feel free to, to get in touch with us. <laughs> we're not banning you, but... we are. I mean, we'll get round to that. We'll get to that eventually, yeah. But, you know, I feel like lots of... There's lots of video... There, there are um there are video game podcasts with women on and stuff obviously but there's lots of video mm. game podcasts like made by men and like very clearly assume their audience is men and direct it towards men because sometimes it ends up that way but like mm-hmm. i think it would be yeah it's nice to try and have an audience that that's uh diverse i think so um yeah it'd be cool to hear from some women absolutely Absolutely, girls. If you could come and keep me company, if you've got any ideas um, or suggestions for games, do let us know. Cool. Okay. Food. Food. Glorious food. How do you <laughs> feel about food, Paul? Do you like it? I do like food. Yeah. Hey. Um, I mean, all of us like food, don't we? Uh, for many, many different reasons. Um, mm-hmm. Big fan of not dying. Um, yeah, that's love one of it. the reasons I like food. Uh, yep. yeah great just love that being alive thing Can't so get we need it for that that's important um also obviously it's something that i think pretty much everybody gets really really passionate and excited about when it's like if you're telling someone about like some restaurant that you discovered or something that had something that was amazing or mm, you mm. just have your favorite thing that you like to make or that your mum makes or something like that or all these different things it's something that we get really animated about I think yeah I mean it's interesting that like yeah one of those kind of questions that you can use as a kind of um getting to know someone question or something like that what what would your last meal be you know, it's it's those kinds of questions. Like food is something that people get super excited about. Um, do you are you are you a cook? Do you cook in your house? I'm always interested to know how that works out. Yeah. Um yeah, me and Nina both cook, but I mean I um just because uh I you Nina works full time and I'm like part time mm-hmm. with the kids, so I mm. pr- tend to cook more at the moment. Um right. I like cooking. Um, I'm also a very chaotic cook in terms of the 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 mess around me. I get very stressed when I'm cooking. If people, yeah. which yeah, with kids now is like not good <laughs> situation. But even <laughs> before, like if if somebody starts talking to me or interfering when I'm cooking, I get very stressed about it. But um, I but do well, like hyper-focus. it. Hyper focus. Yeah, uh, and I think I'm okay. 
Like, I yeah. Are you, are you into cooking? No, I'm not a good cook at all. I mean, I'm fine. I can I can follow a recipe. I definitely get flustered and I make a huge mess. Um, Dave's an excellent cook, so he does basically everything okay. uh, cooking-wise in our house and I do the washing up. But I do quite like to bake. That's quite fun. Okay. So, yeah, I can make a good cake. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, the... Uh, also, in terms of, like... So, the, yeah, there's that aspect of food, but food's importance but also it's something that's uh, inextricably linked to culture mm, um mm. so national cultures like f- the food as well as like local culture the kind of food you get there like if we if you go somewhere probably something that you're going to be thinking about is like the type of cuisine that would, that would exist in another country that you may want to try lots of us have probably got favorite cuisines from different uh uh countries as well um but and also it's 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 an important within like that realm of culture food is linked to significant events that take place it's linked Mm -hmm. to celebrations it's linked to ceremony and ritual within like yeah maybe religious context uh, and all these kind of things so food is um yeah interwoven into like every part of our lives and culture I think. Yeah, it's highly symbolically elaborated, I think. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's enormously charged uh, with everyday significance and also, as you say, like um, uh, religious, like special times significance as well. Um, food, right. So I was listening to a really good um, audio book recently. Um, I like to listen to like a factual audio book before I go to sleep. I like something that's kind of not too exciting because (laughs) you're trying to sleep right so you need to get it it's a really specific energy that i'm looking for um in an audiobook to go to sleep with but i would really recommend food a culinary cultural history by ken nabala um which uh talks about the history of uh food in various different um, cultures and throughout history. Um, And the point that he makes throughout is it's actually a really, really good place to look for any kind of starting study of social stratification within a society. Mm. Like food tells us so, so much about how societies are organized, what their history is going to be like, how things, how things turn out um, in a particular place. Uh, one really nice example he gives is the difference between um, ancient Greece and um, Tudor England. Um, we can see that ancient Greece, ancient Greece was relatively, you wouldn't want to overplay it, but relatively flat in terms of its social stratification. Mm-hmm. Um, there are sort of, there's quite a large class of people who are quite wealthy. Wealth is, is fairly distributed through the society. There isn't really like a noble class in ancient Greece in the way that there is in other places. Um, and as a result, what we see is that most people ate kind of the same thing. Mm. At all levels of society, people ate olives, bread, cheese, oil, wine. You know, this is really lovely stuff yeah. um they're having they're having a good time in ancient greece yeah. and if we compare it for instance to like tudor england which is uh, obviously highly highly classed um the uk is still highly classed and that is actually still elaborated with reference to food um to, mm. to a large extent um but yeah at tudor england the, the the difference between what you would have eaten if you were poor and if you were rich is is massive so poor people would have mainly eaten um i i, I learned pottage 
um, which is Sounds basically familiar, but don't know yeah. what it is. <laughs> so what you would do um, is that you would put like barley and um, oh I forget there's some other grain uh, possibly oats or something it's, it's just like grains yeah. you put them into a pot with some cabbage and some water and that cooks up and then you just eat that all the time Right. Um, and that was pretty much what poor people would have eaten in Tudor England. Whereas if you're rich, you have this huge variety of meats and cheeses and wines and and um, and spices, 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 cinnamon and sugar on absolutely everything. But, but the main thing is like this huge, huge difference. Mm. Um, and that's you know that's what you see when you see social stratification is is that difference between what rich people and poor people eat, and as a result, you know their nutrition, um, the way that their bones look when we dig them up hundreds of years later, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, so food is actually a really good place to look to see just sort of the basics of of how a society is um constructed uh because obviously it's like one of the most basic building materials that that people need uh so yeah so really really useful and interesting um mm. to us uh in that respect that's exactly the kind of, of hot anthropological content i was hoping <laughs> you were gonna bring to food so i'm pleased with that i love all that stuff i find it really really interesting it is, um yeah. Yeah, there's a um, there's like my favorite book series. Um, oh my god, I can't. I shouldn't have just called it that because it's it's not the best book series <laughs> ever. But um, it's uh, Earth's Children by Gina M. Owl, which is a series about living in the Stone Age, and just the story is really really stupid. But there's these just long tangents where she goes off explaining how to like butcher meat or how you would have like preserved things or how you would have made wine and all of this in the stone age. And it's just like my favorite thing ever. I absolutely mm. love it. So interesting. Yeah. So yeah, so that's um that's linking in with uh with very real sort of lived experience. But the other thing I found actually while I was looking into this um was a way in which food finds its way into fiction that I thought um I'd never seen before but I think you may be more familiar with which is cocaine. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. As I said, I'd never seen the word before. Um, uh, I think that's right, yeah. Right, so it's a kind of utopian vision dating back at least as far as the Middle Ages. And that is a vision of a fantasy world where things are made of food. Uh, you know, so where, you know, there's um, houses that are made of food. Of course, the, the gingerbread house in Hansel and Gretel, I guess, is a, is a little example of cocaine um, that the children find in the woods. But um, but no, I'd never come across it before. I hadn't thought. But then if you think about um, songs like old folk songs like Big Rock Candy Mountain, um, it comes up quite a lot in cartoons as well. Just like a world of, of yeah, it was just abundant food everywhere. And, you know, the rivers are made of marshmallows or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, this is, this is um, an example of how... So cocaine is kind of... Uh, tangential to utopian uh, mm -hmm. stuff which is obviously one of my interests yes. um i think it's kind of technically it's kind of seen as like a pseudo dystopia or something because it's like strictly speaking kind of like a, a fantasy rather than like an articulation of a utopian possibility that could be realized in some way but uh, <laughs> you can't actually do that yeah no. but but nonetheless um this shows you something about how uh visions of utopia if you want to use that term tell you something about the concerns of the society envisioning it because mm. obviously if you're a peasant in the middle ages uh, one of your primary concerns is going to be food like are you yeah. able to eat um 
if you have a bad harvest, then you're in trouble. Um, which is not obviously today. People still have there are people who still have problems with getting food and stuff, but generally speaking, there's kind of an abundance and an access to food that's far mm. different to what we would have had. So, so food, yes, yeah, this vision of like chickens flying into your mouth and stuff that comes up in cocaine is not something that we necessarily find in our utopian visions but that's because this articulates a concern and the the struggles of the people imagining it and yeah food was like the big thing for people at that time so that's that's why they have that kind of vision I think yeah and it's just kind of abundant everywhere I really liked it when I was reading about it I liked the way that it's um specifically quite an irreligious um form of utopia that seems to be challenging or a form of utopian vision that seems to be challenging um because certainly within christian morality um in the middle ages right up to now um gluttony would be thought of as like a bad thing and a mm, sin yeah. and stuff like that and i like the way in cocaine people are like no you just lie around all day and chickens fly into your mouth yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's something cool about that i think that's a lot of fun yeah Sure. The only example I could think of in games um, of of cocaine was because um, I, I feel like it comes up quite a lot actually. But the only example I could think of was the Luncheon Kingdom in Super Mario Odyssey, which I didn't like um, as an example um, while I was playing it um, mm. because it was just it was really hard. It's like a much. It's quite like a late um, level within okay. Super Mario Galaxy, and so it's really difficult. And I remember playing it and thinking the Food Kingdom should not be this hard. It should be it should be like an uh, easier easy, level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So I I obviously had that instinct while I was playing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I mean I didn't include them in my notes just because I thought because I thought I could think of a few like food based levels, but I don't think mm. I, I think there's not there's nothing particularly interesting about them in terms of thinking about food. They're just a, yeah. a, one of the backdrops that they did. So like, for example, Rayman, Origins and right. Legends have food-based levels. Um, Zool on the Game Boy popped into oh, my wow. head. It has like yeah. a sweet level. Everything's made of sweets. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a level made of sweets. You know yeah. I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like there's a, there's a background in Worms that's like sweets and stuff uh, but yeah. again yeah, yeah. there's just a backdrop like yeah, yeah yeah so um one of the core questions that that inevitably sort of come to when thinking about food in games is like where it's prevalent mm-hmm. and um i mean we 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 said in the last episode before we even got to this that um i was <laughs> slightly concerned because I was instantly uh, thinking food is a fantasy thing, which is uh, more Rosie's wheelhouse, not mine. Um, so that was obviously one of the things that I was trying to think about. Like, why is food so much of a thing in fa- in fantasy games and not in uh, other video games? Mm. Um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is it's a, as a genre, it's I think, and this is um, speaking in general terms because there are always exceptions to these, but it's a genre that's more concerned with the organic. It's a genre that's concerned uh, sometimes with the pastoral, where uh, it's also the the wilderness, where finding food is an issue that you encounter. That's a a thing. So it's going to be a subject that that you come up against. Um, So those were the, the kind of first things that came to me when I was thinking about this i don't know what 
I'm, I'm, I presume you've uh, grappled with this one as well. I really did because I was like, it was really weirding me out that you couldn't think of examples of food, like games with like loads of food. Because yeah, the games that I play just all the time, like they're, it's, it's very much, particularly in fantasy games, very much part of the landscape. Um, I think I've come to really similar ideas as you. Um, the way that I would maybe um, structure it is... Um, the best thing I could hit on uh, for an explanation is the old nature culture split, which is um, a kind of binary opposition that anthropologists, this is, this is old stuff now, okay. but anthropologists kind of pointed out, I think it's like 50s, 60s, it's structuralism, um, that um, sim- within our kind of myth-making cultures, one of the the big symbolic oppositions that we tend to see is between nature and culture. Mm-hmm, yeah. And 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 that will sort of break down in all sorts of ways. You'll have like, um, you can think of things associated with nature. So it's like man-made environments versus rural environments, things that are unconscious versus things that are conscious. Uh, da, 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 da. And, um, and I guess if we're looking at a nature culture split, um, maybe food we would put more on the side of nature because it's this kind of involuntary process that we have to do that links us with our animal ancestors or something like that Mm. um and so maybe and certainly if we were going to put fantasy science fiction on the nature culture split Mm. as you've just intimated in what you were saying fantasy goes on the nature side very very clearly and um sci-fi goes on the culture side Mm -hmm. sci-fi is about man-made things and artificial things and it it did occur to me even when you're seeing food in in sci-fi like the experience that i've had like for recent i've I've recently been playing metal gear solid as you know and Mm -hmm. um the food in that is just like a rations block Right. And that just feels very man-made. It feels very artificially. It feels like um, the the kind of, yeah, the man-made aspects of the food is being highlighted and presented to me. It's not an apple, Mm. um, which is maybe what I would expect to see in sci-fi. So, yeah, so that was that was like the best thing I could hit on really as an explanation is just like it just seems to make more sense in fantasy settings to focus on food. Mm. Well, I've been uh, I've been back in the the range touch and no cartridges discord, mm-hmm. and um, as well as asking them about food in general, I specifically asked this question, um, and uh, they came back with some very good answers. I think that kind of oh, um, kind of uh, resonate with what with what we were saying and kind of make some nice points. So, um, Romination said, "Food often takes a big part in fantasy novels, doesn't it?" So obviously, yes. the, the fact that it already appears in like other forms of genre. And yes. then he said, "I think it's partially a way of showing a respite in the middle of a journey. The way is challenging and fraught with enemies, and you're in new environments, etc. And you can take a moment to enjoy the comforts of a nice meal." So yeah, I, I think that that idea that fantasy is often about like a quest or yeah, like I said, yeah. a journey through wilderness. That definitely makes sense. Um, and they continued. Um, plus, fantasy is a genre that really lends itself to buffs and stat changes and uh, stuff more than most other genres, which can be tied into food pretty nicely. Um, and yeah, that that makes sense. And I think that's something we will return to later. Um, I think we've got some stuff to say about stat buffs and, and stuff. But yeah, that certainly fits very well in the genre. Absolutely, um, yeah. That makes me think. All of that rumination makes me think of Lembas bread in uh, Lord of the Rings very much. Uh, really nice stuff. A lovely break that gives you a real nice little stat bonus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
uh, Slasher Epoch said sitting down and feasting is part of that genre. And so yes. is the whole different cultures with exotic food thing. Um, yeah, definitely feasting, big thing. Yeah, totally. And and yes, absolutely. If you're trying to introduce people, as as you were saying earlier, Paul, you know, the idea of culture as elaborated by food, if we're mm. thinking about foreign, foreign places, foreign customs, you know, a really good way into that is by just presenting odd food to us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, fantasy often does that mm-hmm. thing. Uh, yeah, sometimes in the quite racist way. Uh, yes. Not always, but yeah, but yeah so that food is one of the, the ways they use to like show that uh, difference mm. um and yeah more from slash epoch i think in science fiction you're sort of assumed to be able to get the food you want whether you are uh whether you're in a way that's oh, sorry let me do that again i think in science fiction you're sort of assumed to be able to get the food you want wherever you are in a way that's not present in fantasy either because there's replicators that can just make it or because everyone eats soylent green so mm. yeah um science fantasy you're generally existing in a, in a world where there's still the need to like grow food and like we said there's there's areas of that aren't conquered by man there's like areas with monsters or wilderness so there's a hardship there that makes food an issue whereas in in science fiction um obviously within the science fiction there's still going to be some kind of hardship because you need it for a story but it's less likely to be food because mm. you are a highly sophisticated technological culture if you haven't worked out how to feed yourself then you can't really do all the other stuff like that's a prerequisite to be able to to, to do the next thing absolutely so, why are you building spaceships if you haven't you know yeah. figured out the food <laughs> yeah. system so that totally makes sense as well Finally, one from uh, Raytheon. With fantasy, part of the appeal is the rural agrarianness of an imagined medieval time. Mm. So yeah, that's part of our kind of... One of the reasons people are attracted to fantasy, right? It's a kind of... Um, I don't know if nostalgia is quite the right word, but a kind of um, yeah, longing for like a, a different time like a, to kind of imagine like experiencing yourself in that, that context. I don't know. Does that make sense? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it does. I guess it's it's interesting having done some reading and stuff. And it's like, yeah, because if you're actually going around like poor people's houses in a, in a sort of, I guess, more realistic fantasy setting. Yeah, it would just be pottage just like in every single house. Yeah, <laughs> exactly the same thing every day, breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, yeah, I feel like there's a game actually that does sort of uh, what's it called? Kingdom Come, I think, kind of starts to approach food in that kind of way. Um, but I haven't really played it. Um, but yes, that kind of imagined. I mean, you, uh, I should say, actually, you got an article out this week about nostalgia and video games, and it's very, very good um, in uh, EGM. And I feel like I learned quite a lot more about sort of nostalgia um, by reading it. So I would recommend that people uh, read that. Well, thank you, Rosie. Yeah. So the, I think the, when in terms of getting into specifics, the very, very first thing that came to me, and I think the most obvious thing when you think about how does food appear in games, why is it in there? It's for health. Yes. So you uh, take some damage, you need to recover some damage, you eat some food. Um, that goes all the way back through gaming, like right to the beginning, and it's still in games, in games today. Um, mm-hmm. I think that this uh, says something about how we think about food because so the other thing you can have in games to 
recover your health is some kind of medical paraphernalia. So you pick up some bandages or a health pack or whatever it may be. Health potion, yeah. Yeah, so you you have that or you have food. Um, now, the, the medical paraphernalia makes more sense in like fictional terms of you've taken some damage from a gunshot or whatever. You get the first aid kit and you mm. use the first aid kit and that would heal it eating food after you've like you know like taking, taking cover and like <laughs> scoffing down a hot dog and like being like oh it's a bit better now it doesn't really make sense right no but so if it doesn't make sense why is it still in there um and i think there's food works as a, as a shorthand for a kind of healing that we feel at a more like intimate level like we have that association with food of providing us with like a kind of vitality and warmth mm. and comfort like if you've like gone on I don't know if you've gone on a really really long hike and you've been absolutely starving and you've had a big hearty meal and the way it re-energizes you that's yeah. something quite different to using like some kind of medical paraphernalia so we have this symbolic association where we think of food as possessing and conferring this kind of energy on us so yeah that's why we find full roast chickens in bins in final fight because (laughs) it has that association for us that's what i think about that i don't know yeah i mean it is isn't it it's not just food as um it's like food as sustaining Mm. um you know as something um that is is nourishing to us in in ways that go beyond um you know the the sort of uh calories that we're taking and the energy that we're able to burn afterwards um yeah i think that's absolutely true i think um and we is the reason why food sort of there was actually a really good article i read this week i don't know if i've written down the title i have you are what you eat religious aspects of the health food movement and that was about the way in which food um particularly since the 1830s in english-speaking contexts has been really really charged with um this extra layer of sort of quasi-spiritual meaning um 1830s is 1830s is significant because it's a sort of temperance movement um, time when that's kicking off. And there's this, all this idea that, the, you know, the stuff coming into your body should be mm, cleansing in some way or fulfilling in some way or it, or it could be polluting in some way. Mm. And, um, and, and this kind of feeds into a culture of health food that we still kind of that we still kind of have and is still like obviously like incredibly present today. Um, so, yeah, so it's really easy to get that idea of food as as having healing properties. Um, I quite liked, uh, she had um, Jill Debush in her um, article had uh, a quote, health foods are seen as an alternative healing system, one which people turn to out of their dissatisfaction with conventional medicine. And it's interesting how it is like, as you were saying, an an alternative healing system within games, you Mm. know, it's like, and it has really clear conventions, as you say, like it's, um, it's not gonna heal as quickly as a healing potion like uh, in games food will heal a bit more slowly and you'll get less often, health yeah, yeah. yeah very often and and yeah you'll get less health back or something um mm. I, I think of the witcher 3 where when you run out of um swallow the health potion which you very often will or i often will um you, but you normally have like this huge backlog of ham sandwiches and stuff so you <laughs> just like so you're like fighting a pack of ghouls like just like really mainlining ham sandwiches yeah 
<laughs> and you don't heal nearly as quickly. It's not as good, but it does kind of work. You can kill the guilds eventually that way. Yeah. When I started thinking about this, I was trying to think like, what's the, what's the kind of, um, in terms of like the symbolism of food, like mm. what do we, how do we conceptualize different types of food? So, um, as I said, one of the first ones I thought of was was Final Fight, which I don't know if that's a game you've ever played. No, never played it. Yeah, so um, uh, my that was like my favourite arcade machine to find somewhere when I was a kid. Um, right for a, for a period um, around the era where I don't know there may have been also Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and yeah a few of those other like side scrolling fighters. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, Final Fight was one that I thought was very cool. And yeah, you could find if you kicked over a bin, you'd often find a full roast chicken. So I, I, <laughs> I went to that. yeah, I went to Final Fight and I looked at like what is the hierarchy of food, like what is the, you know thinking about this thing of of food provi- providing you with like vitality. Um, so yeah, what are the ones that we think of as being particularly nourishing and having regenerative benefits? Um, uh, and just just to mention, this isn't obviously not just in Final Fight. There's a uh, the meat joints in Golden Axe, which I had on my Mega Drive. Um, oh yeah. Johnny Ronicus mentioned uh, joints of meat hidden behind walls in the early Castlevania games. Uh, already getting a theme here. You might notice, which is why I'm I'm bringing these up. But mm. but anyway, um, so the hierarchy of of food in Final Fight, meat is is at the top. So like like this this roast chicken um that mostly or fully restores your health and grants you ten thousand points nice. junk junk food recovers about half your health and grants five thousand points fruit heals one fourth of the vitality and gives three thousand points and then <laughs> drinks and gum fill one eighth or one ninth of the vitality and are worth one thousand points right yeah so though fruit and vegetables are still associated with being healthy that's not changed uh, significantly I I don't think Um, meat in particular has this association of kind of heartiness and vitality Mm. Uh, it's Mm. yeah like I said it's in Golden Axe it's in all these other games it's like I would I would bet that nine times out of ten if there's meat in a game where you can eat different foods the meat is going to give you the most health yes Um, so this says something about it's kind of yeah symbolic uh dimension i think like this 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 thing of like that we're consuming flesh or something i don't know if it's something to do with that like it's more yeah it's imbued with with more vitality because of that i think it also has a kind of um associations with ideas of masculinity um in final fight we're dealing with very muscly men uh walking around these these streets beating up people and you know if you're a man then you know, you've got like big bits of meat, haven't you? Like, you've got to get your chicken. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that that absolutely makes sense. I think um, cross-culturally you find that meat tends to be the celebration food. Mm-hmm. Um, like when there's like a special, um, what's the day? A uh, holy day, you know, of, of mm. any description or a, or a festival. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll often find meat at the centre of it. I'm pretty sure that's cross-cultural. Um, eat, I mean, it's almost certainly related to the fact that meat big bits of meat uh would have been relatively difficult to hunt yes. and uh, so it's the reward food you know it's like the most special <laughs> food mm, yeah. that you can get okay another mechanism um or series of mechanisms that i had 
uh, was thinking about was the way in which the management of food and food supplies um, often comes up in games. Again, games that I like a lot. So um, city and world simulators such as Animal Crossing, Stardew Valley, Farming Simulator, Mm. Um, where you're sort of growing food, where you're producing it. Um, these are games that I, yeah, lots of people, these are the kinds of games that you can play for like hundreds of hours. Yeah. Um, lots of fun. Um, it really makes sense as a place for these, uh, world builders to, um, or sort of simulators to center around is food because as far as I know, and I could be wrong about this cause I'm not an expert, but the, it has certainly been posited that the origins of the state at all um, come out of agricultural societies because those are the first times that humans are dealing with a surplus. Um, so because you could suddenly grow much, much more food than you needed to eat, um, there's a surplus of food and how to manage that surplus um, through systems of taxation and distribution, etc., is like, Lots of people think that might be where the state yeah, comes yeah, out of in, right. in the first place. Yeah, right. Like the creation of like feudalism and the right, nature right, of right. the feudalist state. That's definitely. Oh, yeah. there we go. Um, so, so yeah. So actually, that makes sense. So you're playing when you're playing like your Stardew Valley. You're in a in a wonderful tradition of <laughs> managing surplus and uh, and organizing sort of human labor. Um, the one of those games that I'd really like to recommend actually is Banished. Have you ever played Banished? No, I've not sort of played many of these kinds of games. Ah, uh, really? Oh, I no. love them. Um, yeah, so Banished is by Shining Rock Software. It came out in 2014. Um, it is a um, sort of village simulator based around the agriculture of um, uh, colonial, um, uh, early colonial America. Um, and it's very fun. I find it very sort of relaxing um it's it's one of those ones where it's just fun to tweak the mechanics and you know get into some crop rotation and all of that stuff so yeah so i would i would really recommend banished i've, I've had a lot of lot and lot of fun playing that one in these kinds of games mm. what are you growing the food for are you growing the food always to sell for profit are you growing mm. the food for your community or um, so generally in these games, um, you will be, you'll be trying to produce a profit. Yeah. In Stardew mm. Valley, very much so in, in Banished. Banished, actually, you, you are kind of trying to meet the needs of the community first okay. and foremost, but then there will generally be a surplus that you will sell. Um, and you'll kind of figure out sort of what to specialize in and stuff like that. I mean, it's, um, yeah, Stardew Valley is certainly an example of one where I think you're you're really encouraged to just go absolutely hog wild and 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 try and figure out like the the best way to maximize profits that you possibly can. And you're hoarding your turnips in Animal Crossing, right? Or... I do you know what? I haven't actually gotten any turnips yet, and everyone's talking about turnips in Animal Crossing, and I know that that's the thing, yeah. but I haven't figured out how to get them yet. Okay. So we're 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 growing lots of flowers at the moment, but our our island is not as developed, I think, because we've only been playing for like a week or something. But I also think we've probably just missed the turnips, so we're gonna have to find out about that. Mm. But this is a, a an interesting angle on it, right? Because then the 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 food in like the turnips or whatever, mm. they're 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 basically like a unit of value. Then mm -hmm. is what they're being transferred in. You're not those these aren't. You're not thinking of them as food in terms of like 
oh, this, this, this is something that's tasty or makes my mouth water or this is something nourishing or this is like, this is something I can, I can, yeah, this is a unit of value. Like this is worth so much money. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of, yeah, food under capitalism, basically. <laughs> yeah, um, you're not focusing on its use value, I guess. It's like it's, um, yeah, commodity value becomes becomes the thing. Mm. maybe that's a nice difference then with banished maybe that's another reason to recommend it as i say is that like first and foremost you are trying to make sure people don't starve in your village <laughs> well that's nice that's yeah a good start. yeah yeah well i mean i i had some a few little bits about kind of food and cooking and and labor mm-hmm. um where, you, where you're trying to produce food in some way kind of in a similar way to the kind of games you were talking about um i haven't played cooking mama no but, um puff bloom drew me to drew drew it to my attention there's a bit about it in a book called ready player two women gamers and designed identity right um i actually wanted to just read a bit out of that book because it was kind of hard to summarize but i thought quite interesting and you'd kind of you can tell that there's quite a lot of context around it but you can still get something out of it i think so I'm just gonna have to find it because I forgot to get that up. Hang on. So this is Ready Player Two: Women Gamers and Designed Identity. Yeah. Sounds good. Who's the author? Didn't write it down. Nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, we're dropping in kind of halfway through here. So this is a kind of. <laughs> Yeah, perhaps a bit confusing, but it becomes clear. So, uh, but more fascinating than either the time management or instructional cooking applications are games that simulate the cooking process without teaching the act of cooking or involving the complex high stakes environment of the time management game. In this, I'm referring to Cooking Mama and the clone successes that are now equally popular. Um, other games in this strange genre include Lunch, include Lunch Food Maker, Cooking Academy, and Milkshake Maker, among many other iPhone and Android clones. As discussed in Chapter Three, Cooking Mama involves player instruction by Mama, a small cherubic asexual character who tells the player how to chop, stir, broil, and mix a rapid series of in-game recipes. When the player cooks them correctly, she becomes in commas, Mama. When successful, Mama's rejoinder is perfect, just as good as Mama. But when the player fails, it results in an angry mama scolding, don't worry, mama will fix it, with her unusually with her usually sparkling eyes turning into a threatening blaze. In chapter three, I discuss how his rejoinders place the player in a position where she must reproduce and perform effective labour and in turn motherhood, regardless of the player's gender, age, or status as a parent. Similarly notable is the question of lack in this game and its clones, the process of cooking without consuming and reproducing food items that can never be enjoyed. Susan Bordeaux might refer to this in terms of the cultural containment of the female appetite, which she describes as situations where women are feeding and nourishing others, not themselves. Similarly, Kathleen Parkin writes about how advertisers use this assumed feminine desire to nourish others as a mode to endear themselves to members of the household. Food advertisers also exploit the connection between food preparation and love towards women, enlisting mild illusions, floating hearts and pecks on the cheek to demonstrate how her food selection accorded her affection. The message was clear. When she chose such a high quality tasty product, she was entitled to receive love and credit for her pains. In terms of food, women are not consumers so much as enablers of consumption. Cooking Mama and similar games help to reinforce these practices of self-denial. So, sorry, that was quite long, 
but um, I thought it was very interesting. And uh, yeah, um, something we had talked about, yeah, was kind of the, uh, the relationship between food and gender. Of course, there's a whole, uh, yeah, a whole thing around that, around who cooks and yeah. who we think of as being responsible for cooking and how, yeah, this idea of, yeah, games kind of indoctrinating that idea of you, like, of, of a woman as, like, producing the food for the consumption of others but not being the consumer themselves, I thought was interesting. That is, yeah, it sounds like Cooking Mama contains multitudes. Yeah. Um, yes, I haven't I haven't ever played it. Um, I'm kind of familiar with what she looks like, though, with her little apron on. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, the other one um, similar in this kind of genre is Overcooked. Uh, Overcooked 2 as well. Yes. Which, um, uh, Have you played Overcooked? So, I last, uh, yesterday, I persuaded my wife to play Overcooked 2 nice. with me yeah. for a little bit. Uh, she doesn't really play games. Uh, didn't last for long. She got quite frustrated. But, um yeah, there was a couple of people that were very insistent that I should cover Overcooked. So I was like, come on, let's play some Overcooked. <laughs> um, so I think I would enjoy it uh, quite a bit. If It's uh... okay. I've played it with oh, Dave. Played it. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Dave have played it. Um, and it's like, I yeah, it's it requires a level of court. Co- I'm so not coordinated. And I find, you know, I was saying earlier, I get quite flustered in the kitchen and, mm. and like uh, things being done in the right order and stuff like that. Just uh, absolute nightmare. Um, and overcooked is like exactly like that, but like a hundred times more stressful. So yeah, I was terrible at it. Basically. I was just like constantly like running around in a panic. Um, but it's, it's well done. It's, it's definitely a good multiplayer game. But that's exactly what it's trying to yes. uh, create, right? This feeling of stress around. So this is, so this is interesting in that it's ostensibly about food, but it's not really. It's about mm. productivity and managing efficiency, and that's what you've got to do to like be good at the game and get the points. So this is again an example of like how food can be transformed from this thing that's. Uh, like a creative endeavor or like a craft or something that's culturally important um within capitalism it takes on this other uh dimension where it's um yeah it's just like a a thing that's uh, treated as any other thing it's something that you need to manage it needs to be managed efficiently and and it's all about yeah the productivity of the worker and how you're producing it um so uh Alex Socialist Undyne said, uh, Overcooked is notable. It's ostensibly a game about food and cooking, but honestly, the food never looks particularly appetizing. It really Pars- doesn't. Yeah. Partially a budget limit because they need to sh- showcase a lot of recipes, but also it really depicts by its nature the labor that goes into making it. So yeah, it's it's about um, the labor. It's about mm. It's about creating that that feeling of what it's like to work under like stress and um productivity and you can feel that and i can imagine working in the kitchen probably uh there's definitely an, an element of that that rings true um so yeah that's uh another aspect of food that's worth considering yeah all right so we were just talking about cooking while we're on the subject of actual cooking um we should mention um 
food from video games. Now, this is an interesting one. Um, so there's an example, lots of examples of people making food that they've seen in video games. This is, um, I think you mentioned early on, on our episode about maps, that there's not loads of examples of objects that get made from video games. Like you start with a video game and then an object comes out of it. But oh, food, food, food is an it. example. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, so, yeah, so you, this is from your notes. I'm stealing this, actually. Uh, the Elder Scrolls official cookbook. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, same as you, I knew this was like a thing that people made food from games, which I think says something again about our kind of very visible response we have to food. Like you can read a description of food and you can instantly feel hungry mm. and be like, I want to eat that. Or if the if the food's rendered nicely enough in the game to look appetizing, it could g- give you that kind of response that you're like, I have to have it <laughs> yes. to, such, to such a degree that I'm going to now take this and make it in real life so that I can eat it. Um, but yeah, the... So, yeah, like I said, I know there's, like, blogs and stuff where people do it, but I found that there is Elder Scrolls, the official cookbook, the official cookbook by the series, for the series by Chelsea Munro Cassell, uh, who has also written the World of Warcraft official cookbook. So, yeah, inspired by food and lore from the games. So cool. Um, yeah, I had a look and the recipe that really stuck out to me that you can see and loads of different recipes for sweet rolls on the internet, which yeah. is like big Elder Scrolls um, food stuff, uh, one of the staples of that universe. Yeah. And it just looks really nice. It's like um, the way that most people interpreted it is like a very large round cinnamon bun, which is iced. And that just... That sounds fantastic. I'll eat that all day with a cup of tea. That sounds absolutely marvellous. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I think I might try and make some sweet rolls, um, depending okay. on whether we have the stuff for it, because, yeah, it did look really good. Yeah, there's also the the kind of, um, again, this, this desire to experience places and cultures through their food mm. that even extends to fictional places. Um yeah, so we we still want to we still want to get stuck into these cultures through food, even if they're not real. That's is... it's really in- so. This isn't about video games, but when um when um Game of Thrones first started airing for quite a while, actually, I think it was like the first three seasons. Because me and Dave were really into the books, we were like having people round to watch it, and we were cooking like food from the seven kingdoms yes no we we literally were like dave made a chestnut soup that was just like absolutely incredible um i had chestnut soup like two days ago it was amazing i've never had it before it's 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 a revelation isn't it my mind was blown it's really really good um and yeah turns out it's been around for ages and um there we go and then cersei ate it so uh so you know it's good um well that's a that's a podcast um seal of approval for chestnut soup as well then yeah for sure (laughs) now um obviously we've talked about food giving us health in games the the other aspect to that um is is the stat buffs that we we often get um Mm. i think this is i mean i talked about the difference between like food and medication medical paraphernalia i think in one of the other reasons we use food is that as i as i kind of suggested earlier we associate food as doing a bit more than kind of regenerating us it it, it has that association that medical treatment doesn't have in that it can raise our spirits it can 
uh, it can help us bond with people. So mm. it becomes a really good way of representing those kind of stat buffs. Uh, it's the yeah, it's a way of representing that idea that makes sense to us instinctively in the way that we think about food. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was thinking about um, even like, yeah, there's like religious ideas of like manner and stuff like that, like food that gives you something more um, than than just, than, yeah, just your health replenishment that kind of elevates you in some way. Uh, yeah. It's definitely very culturally present. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, I was trying to think of a few examples. There's the the famous rainy day beef bowl challenge from Persona Four, where you oh, right. re- you repeatedly return to this restaurant to try and finish the huge beef bowl, um, and it's not <laughs> it's not possible to do until. But every time you try, you get like uh, your stats buff slightly. I think it's ah. courage, I believe, in Persona. There's also a similar challenge in Persona Five. But you get like stat buffs when you, tr- when you tr- your, your stats go up permanently. Um, when you uh, try it and then mm. eventually you will succeed and finish the bowl and I think you get like a big boost to like a, a bunch of stats when you, right. you, you finally achieve it. Um, another big one that was mentioned by loads and loads of people, some people were even like, oh, I don't know if it's even bothering exa- it, mentioning, it's obvious, but I was like, it, it has to be included then if it's that obvious, it's uh, it's Monster Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um Food is a big deal in Monster Hunter. It's one of the... So so in lots of games, food can be kind of meaningless in the sense that it's just writing in the menu and mm. you click on the writing and the writing disappears because you've eaten the food, um, which isn't a particularly yeah, exciting way of dealing with food, I think. Monster Hunter is one of the examples of games that depicts its food very lavishly and shows you these... You know, they, they've put a lot of effort into, into creating this food that looks amazing. Right. Um, and, it, and Monster Hunter has this whole thing of like having a cycle of preparation where you, which almost becomes like a ritual, I think, which which ties in nicely to this idea we have a food as part of a ritual. Mm. Um, the, you know, you, you get this, uh, whatever you've collected from your hunt and then you craft new gear to prepare to go out for the next hunt. You have a big meal before you go out buffs the, all your stats and then you're ready to go and mm. you can do the next hunt so yeah that's a, a nice example um i think yeah um it's actually i was while you're saying the food's really delicious looks delicious and that it reminded me of um zelda breath of the world which also has that thing where the food has like got all sorts of stat buffs associated with it and looks incredible like i'm properly hungry playing zelda breath of the world a lot of the time um, what's the what, what sort of yeah what do you do in zelda in terms of the food is it like scavenging or like yeah so you, and... yeah you collect ingredients and then mm. you um you have to cook them to make meals and you have to do this quite a lot because like you actually need the bus and you need the the healing that the food's going to give you if you've cooked it up and also you can sell it for more mm. money once you've cooked it and there's like loads of different recipes like it's a whole thing um and yeah, as I say, the, the, the depiction of it, the, the um, menu items you get, it like just looks absolutely delicious. And also while you're cooking, there's a little piece of music that plays that is like the oral equivalent, like the sound equivalent of cooking up a lovely little feast. It's okay. like this little seven yeah. second bit of music that is just 
absolutely perfect that really sounds like a bunch of nice little ingredients in the pan sizzling away together and you get a delicious little meal at the end um it's it's so so good because obviously you can't you can't have taste in a game but like the way that they present the food in in terms of its its visual and its sound is just so spot on that it does genuinely make you hungry I mean, I am actually getting hungry now like, just from this conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Genuinely. Uh, yeah, so um, a nice transition into another game where the depiction of the food is a big thing. And again, I think like Zelda and Monster Hunter, a thing that people talk about a lot about online and stuff. Um, Final Fantasy VII, uh, Final Fantasy XV, sorry, Final mm-hmm. Fantasy XV's food. That's a whole, similarly... There's lots of ingredients you collect. You constantly unlock new recipes for right. one of the members of the of the uh, little gang of do bros that you have in Final Fantasy 15. Is, is a, that the, is boy, the chef? Is it the boy band one? Final the Fantasy boy band 15? one. Yes. yes oh, okay. Yeah. 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 One. Right. I know one of those is like. a chef, and yep. he constantly gets new recipes, and there's very detailed pictures of the the food, like what it's going to look like. And they all give you different buffs. Yeah. Um, so it's a similar thing and that gives you stat buffs and stuff. But what I liked about the way it appeared... We spoke about this on the podcast before. I only played it very briefly. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea behind this is that something you I think you don't see depicted a lot in games is the, the relationship between like food and companionship um, and yes. like you know, building relationships. And in Final Fantasy XV, you... Um, so you 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 can like camp out with your friends right uh like at the end of the day you 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 build a camp and they sit around the fire and they eat a meal to, you don't have to eat a meal but you're probably gonna because it's like makes sense to do in the game like if you don't do it it's a bit silly. so you sit around you, you have your meal together so again it has that kind of yeah rich element that we will sit down together at the end of the day and and mm. we eat but also in um, 15, you, you only get your experience points that you've collected to like level you up when you uh, finish the day and like sleep. Mm-hmm. So you don't level up as you're playing. The experience points are kind of stored. And then when you sleep, you, you get them. So as I said, food's not... Eating isn't essential. You don't have to do it for that. But you, the two are probably combined. You're going to sit around and eat. You're going to sleep. You get your experience points. And I think that nicely evokes that sense of uh, bonding of, you know, spending a day with uh, some people sitting down to eat. And, and that idea of you're, you're only leveling up then, it's like a sense of taking stock of the events and yeah. like talking about your day and like reflecting on what you've done together. Um, and this this kind of bond between these characters is meant to be like a big thing in the game. So I think it's really... Uh, food's a really good way of approaching that. We think about food as being a bonding thing mm. a, a lot. So I think that's nice that that's represented in there. Um, there's one or two other examples pointed out to me of, of, of this as well. Um, Slash Epoch again said in Mountain Blade... When you hold a feast, you have to manually go out and get all the stuff for it, including expensive spices, which might mean going out on horseback to get it all yourself. A well-appointed feast increases your relationship with the lords who come. Oh. And yeah, if you cook a meal for like some people, uh, if somebody cooks like a really nice meal for you, you like that person, right? <laughs> you want to see that person again? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like it's like um. Yeah, the key part of hosting, isn't it, is like food, like being a good host mm. is like that. The whole idea of that is so bound up with food. Yeah. 
and you and they you i'm sure that you you would do that with your when you're doing your like lords and ladies uh when they're like marrying off their kids or whatever, they they would you would meet up and have a feast and stuff like when you that's part of the. I mean, even that like if people yeah. like if there's some kind of yeah meetings and stuff. If it's like that, it's quite normal if you're going to visit somewhere that people eat together. Like it's part of the, the thing. Um, just one more quickly. Uh, again, on a slightly different aspect of this, Romination pointed to Earthbound. Which again, I haven't played. Mm-hmm. Don't know if you've played Earthbound. No, never heard of it. Yeah. So Lots of people like it, um, don't they? Yes, a lot. Yeah. Mm. So um, they said Earthbound, where you put your favorite food, and it and it comes up here, and so you, you put in what your favorite food is at the beginning of the game, I think, uh, mm. and it comes up here and there. Your mum makes it for you at the beginning, and later in the game, you get a letter from her talking about how it's been a while since you had it together. Since that game does a lot with making it feel like you're a young kid who gets homesick and has to call his mum now and then or else he gets too distraught to do well in battle, it's a good addition. Uh, plus, when you eat it, it restores your party's full HP and PP. So, yeah, that's something we mentioned. Like, this, um, yeah, connections like home and like mm. family that's uh, tied up in food. So I really like that that's represented in that game. Um yeah, the fact that it's related to the the idea of home and the sense of being home, uh, I think that's cool. That seems quite thoughtful. Yeah, the other example I had actually, just as you've been talking about this um, this bit of food and companionship, was um, in Persona. Actually, going back to Persona Persona Five, um, which is the only Persona game I've played, but I did enjoy it quite a lot. And um, my best friend in that. Oh, did you eat the burger? That was the one in Persona Five, wasn't it? There's a uh, giant burger that you can eat, similar that, to the the beef bowl. I think it was I a burger. I don't even. I do remember there was like some ridiculous like all you can eat challenge thing. I'm. I don't yeah. remember it that well. Um, but the bit of food I do remember was that my best friend in the game was Yusuke, who was a really cool character, and I liked him a lot. And he. Um, his favorite thing to do when we were like hanging out was like eat curries and think about the like all the subtle divine tastes of curry and um and it was just Sorry, really is nice y- is Yusuke like the art guy yes he's the art guy yeah oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Nice. I really liked him he was my favorite um and um and yeah I just really remember like spending lots of time in the cafe eating curries with Yusuke and sort of um you know pondering all their wonderful properties and and it's like probably like my favorite was my, like my favorite thing to do in persona for some reason i really liked it and it did make me again even thinking about it now very hungry for um like katsu curry or something <laughs> yeah thinking about it now you say that i feel like that's maybe in persona 5 and persona 4 more than once that you sit around with your friends around food yeah, or like yeah, something yeah. and that and i think something those games are really good at doing is yeah, they, they, they're really good at that sense of like being that age, but mm. like the kind of friendship and the, the sense of like hanging out with those people. And th- yes. again, food's such an important po- thing of that. So I think that's done well in Persona, actually. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. Okay, so the last bit of like mechanics or themes I wanted to talk about in terms of um, games and food that came up for me was world building we've been kind of dancing around it the whole way through haven't we uh, the mm. ways in which uh food evokes a place to go to um but um this is really i think where it can a place where it can really shine in games um there's a lovely video by uh, a youtuber called mr b tongue i don't know if you've seen any of his videos 
don't think so. He's very good. He, 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 I don't think he's put anything out for a while, but he was like quite, an, I want to say quite an early YouTube video essayist on video games. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's true because the form's probably been around for ages and early is probably, you're probably talking like, you know, 2007 or something. But he, has a, he had a video that came out in 2013 called The Shandification of Fallout. Um, and, um, and it's a good video. All, all of his games, all of his videos about games, I'd say are worth checking out. Um, Mr. B Tongue, as I say. Um, but he, he talks about how you can create a video game world that kind of stands on its own two feet, feels like a place that you can actually explore where you could have your own kind of meandering adventures through. And, mm. um, and, and he thinks the really key question when we're looking at whether a world's achieved that or not is what do they eat? Um, so um, he talks about how um, the difference between Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas is that in Fallout New Vegas, when you go to a settlement or a place um, where people live, y- the developers have taken the time to put in how the people eat. <laughs> you can see, you can go to the places where the crops are grown and stuff on the outskirts of the settlement, etc. And um, And I think... Um, as opposed to Fallout 3, where, the, you know, settlements are just kind of plonked down and they're kind of cool and interesting in all their own way, but they're not worked out at that level of sort of um, specificity. Um, and I think that's... I don't know exactly how I feel about that because I think there's... there's um, I think this is something we've talked about on the podcast previously, isn't it? Is that sort of striving for very sort of video game worlds that feel like sort of have some kind of realism mm. um, and the extent to which realism is even that interesting or necessary a goal like i i i would want it to um i wouldn't want to just accept that unquestioning and yeah i think there's um there's contexts in which it's good and important there are contexts yes. in which it's uh stupid yeah exactly <laughs> and, and, and detracts from what you might be trying to do absolutely yeah. and um, i think mr b tongue would, would would probably not you know not make the point that you should always be striving for realism but but certainly i i do see his point when it comes to kind of these open world rpgs um because i think you you can create a world that has more kind of sense of of, of reality to it and something that you can really get stuck into and um, the example that i would go for is the difference between morrowind and oblivion or skyrim um morrowind like bores like me on the internet will tell you endlessly that Morrowind is the best Elder Scrolls game and it definitely, definitely is. Um, I always get confused between those two because I always know there's one that like there's people like this is the best one. It's Morrowind. Um, I feel like it's it's Morrowind, isn't it? Okay, yeah. It's definitely, I mean, I, I, I guess there are some lunatics out there now who are making the case <laughs> okay. for Oblivion. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'd, I'd love to chat with them, but no, but they, they're wrong and it's Morrowind. Um, okay. And Morrowind is a really nice example. Morrowind is a uh, an island set on an island called Vardenfell um, where you, you just, you can learn loads about the food if you want. You can learn about how these people eat. There are, um, there's um, a lot of their food and that you find everywhere in the world and that is very sort of built into, um, you know, the storytelling in lots of ways. It comes from the Kwama mines where they get eggs and scribs, uh, which are like insectoid like mm. things that walk around. Um, and also um, 
salt rice fields. And and as I say, you can find salt rice plantations, you can find quama mines. Um, they're, they're dotted around the landscape in kind of logical places. Um, you learn about the kind of ways that they are, the, the labour, um, how they how things are being produced within them. Uh, salt rice particularly is grown using lots of slave labour and you visit the slave markets and you, you know, that, that's associated with particular factions on the island. And, and compare that to later um, Elder Scrolls games um, where, yeah, food is just kind of plonked in the environment. Uh, it's, it's just more interesting. I just think it gives you a lot more to be working with. Um, and so, yes, reason number one of thousands <laughs> why Morrowind is the superior. I th- Yeah, I think um, world building and also just any like kind of themes that you might be interested in, it's always great when you can kind of make those things uh kind of um intersect against across all the different elements of that society and like food is obviously as we said like food's of course going to be a part of it and this goes back right to the beginning when you were talking about how you could tell a lot from a society about um yeah how stratified it is so like yeah who's who's producing the food uh, who has the food, what food do they have, in what way is it scarce, or mm. in what way is it artificially scarce. Um, the, all these things can tell you a lot about the society. So yeah, if you have some kind of world that you want to build, if you have if you have a world, you're going to have some kind of system of power. So can you make that system of power manifest in the way food is produced and the way, you know, all these different elements Absolutely. of society, that makes it far richer and more interesting, I think. I think it really does. I think absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so that is us for this time. Um, I hope you've enjoyed these thoughts on food. If you are enjoying Get Object, please do um, consider uh, leaving a review for us uh, wherever you get your podcast. That would be wonderful. Um, recommendations are very valuable. Recommendations well, you know, are very you, valuable. I'm sure you know somebody who likes video games and uh wants to hear some people talk about video game objects that would be lovely of course you do you probably know multiple people in that situation give mm. them give them a hand <laughs> actually yeah we, we haven't had a, a new review for a while i think so no no um, so yeah, please give us a nice review that'd be um, wonderful um or you can follow us on get object pod on twitter um as... and yeah, we, we've got we've definitely got more people listening than we have followers on twitter yes. so i mean if you're listening and you're not on Twitter, well done. Yeah, um, keep it up. You, I mean, if you've if you've already made that mistake, then <laughs> you may as well just follow us. Uh, Absolutely. Get yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, and you can check out and see what we're producing as well on Patreon. Um, and um, I think that's that's it in terms of things to follow and click on. Um, next time. We will be back with you for... What's the topic next time, Paul? Telephones. Telephones. Or telephones, yeah, te- which encompasses communication devices. So we're not being too strict. This could in- this could in- uh, <laughs> this would include like uh, walkie-talkies or video phones. Yeah. Um, As Paul being very was... careful to include codecs there. Um... Yeah, that counts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, not communication devices, but like... Not compu- not like typing on your computer no. or something like that. It's like something where you're talking to somebody on. So yeah, telephones slash communication devices. Absolutely, yeah. We'll be emphasising the voice. Um, so yes, yeah, so I very ho- much hope you will uh, join us for that. 
Uh, but that is us for now. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>